everyone. Welcome back to the Hand Me Up podcast, a podcast where two Zimbabwean women in the academic space share their journey toward attaining a PhD in the UK. As two women, not from the physical sciences field, this podcast will focus on our journey as social scientists. We'll be sharing the highs, the lows, and everything in between. We're your hosts. Rue and Gwen. Let's get started. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we another episode. Mm. Yeah, I think today we've got a bonus type episode. Yes. We've been talking about this for a while, but before we get on with it, um, again, we just want to say thank you to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, you know, your ongoing support your continued messages of motivation and encouragement. Yeah. And just sharing with your friends and families. Do yeah. you continue doing that? And yeah, so welcome back. Yeah, guys, it's good to be chatting here with Rue. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Um, and I hope you guys can relate or can have some takeaways mm. from today's session because we're going to touch on um, COVID-19 and how um, that's impacted our lives, more specifically our um, uh, academic journey. Um, Rue, with your research um, as an academic and mine as um, a a PhD student, um, was due to do fieldwork. So um, it's, COVID-19 has touched everybody's lives in different ways, some more than others. And um, today, though, given that our focus is on PhD journey, we just thought we would share with you guys how it's impacted us in that sense. Um, We'll try and touch on other things, like on our our day-to-day lives, but the main thing is focused on our, our academic journey really yeah i think in the in one or two previous episodes we've touched on things where we said oh gosh we need to revisit this in the covid19 special we need mm. to revisit this so i think we we have arrived at that point where we're like okay you know what let's just give it a go and touch on things so um without further ado perhaps i could just um throw the ball in gwen's court by asking you know um gwen i know you were due to be collecting data this year Mm-hmm. Um, I think you mentioned that in perhaps, I think, episode four or five. Yeah. And you did allude to the fact that, well, I know the story, but, mm-hmm. you know, you alluded in that those episodes that you were not able to collect your data for various reasons because mm-hmm. of the current pandemic. Mm-hmm. So would you want us to walk through your journey? Um, so I, I mean, perhaps from when you collected your data this time last year. Okay. You, you came back, you know, and you were looking forward to going to collect your data in March, was it? Mm, yeah. And then everything that happened from there on in. So, um, so if I'm really honest with you guys, um, so I, so now I'm in my third year of my PhD. I should really be writing up at this point, but anyways. So last year, um, so this is 2019, um, October, November 2019, um, I went to Sierra Leone to do some data collection. Initially, I didn't want to go. Like, I genuinely didn't want to go. But my supervisor, one of my supervisors was like, look, just go and go for like two, three weeks and do a scoping trip because it's all good as sitting here in the UK thinking, oh, you've got an interesting topic. You know, you're going to f- easily find former female combatants to interview, you know, the topic is worth you know researching but go on the ground have a feel of it have a feel of the place because if you're gonna go and do kind of data collection for like two months you don't want to just go the first time and stay there for two months you want to go and see things that you need to have in place if you were to stay there longer so i kind of saw it as a bit of let me go see what sierra leone is like yeah Yeah. scoping exercise but i ended up collecting interviews like i like Rue's quite like said in the previous, so, so, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I collected about 17 interviews and I was meant to, I came back, we were happy with what I collected, but we decided that 
um, I probably need to go more in depth and we redid the questions as I mentioned before. And then, um, in March, I was supposed to leave on the 23rd of March, a day after my birthday. So I had packed my suitcase room. Suitcase was packed beginning of March. I remember you were um, very excited. It was by March the, is our birthday month. Yeah, it's our like, birthday month. And we'd say it actually, we wanted to celebrate together. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, no, we can't because you'll be gone. I, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be here. I literally put off a lot of things in March. Um, even like celebrating my birthday with my family, I said to them, look, I'm not, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. Just give me money to spend and I'll go and stay somewhere at a nice beach once I'm in Sierra Leone. Um, cause I was going to go for about six weeks. Anyways. Um, and as we all know in the UK lockdown, <laughs> 19th of March. Boom. I was lucky. I was one of the last few to actually just have a, Sliver of joy for my birthday. Sliver. Well, I, to be honest, I. I <laughs> anyways, guys. So, 19th of March lockdowns happened. Um, Air France is like, nope, you are not, we're not flying anywhere. I couldn't go and do my, my field work. Um, and then I spent, you know, the next couple of months just waiting, right? We were all waiting. We didn't know how this, long this thing was going to last. But things were getting worse and worse and worse. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. So I kind of resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to go and do my field work until October. I was like, that's more than enough time. Surely by then. Surely. So I'm going a year after I'd been, but that's okay. Um, Guys, we're heading towards October. (laughs) Things are not getting any better. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm actually not going to go. So... Um, now I'm in my third year. At that point, I was in my second year. Now I'm in my third year and I'm supposed to be writing up. I should be writing up. I shouldn't be doing any more data collection at this point. And I still haven't done it, Rue. Um, now, um, my only option of doing my data collection before the end of this year is to use a research assistant. Um, so basically, whilst... I could go to Sierra Leone. I can catch a flight and go to Sierra Leone. Um, I actually can't do my data collection because I have not received one ethical approval and my the university's there's travel a, there's, a re- there's a research embargo on universities. Exactly. Um, travel embargo. Yeah. So, so your, your university would actually be liable. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Even if something doesn't happen to me ethically... I've not received approval to conduct that research. So it's not valid. It's not recognized as Mm. data collected. So that's why even if I went on holiday and just happened to run into my participants, it doesn't work. I have to get approvals. So in in using a research assistant, um, I'm able to use someone who's already in country now, there's complications with the university because if I had traveled to Sierra Leone and I was using a research assistant, then they would um, be covered by my insurance because technically they're employed by me mm. and I'm, impl- I'm covered by the university. But because I'm not in the country, the insurance is not going to cover them. So I actually needed to get health insurance for my um, research assistant, like personal health insurance. And I don't know how much you guys know about Africa. It's, you know, people get these with permanent jobs. Yeah. You don't just get random person walks and says, can I have ACMAS or CMAS? You know, it costs a lot. But um, I have funding, which is fortunate. I applied for some funding and that covers my research assistant salary and the health insurance and stuff. So in any case, I've had to apply for a risk assessment with the university and... I'm waiting for the university to give me the go ahead. And until I have that go ahead, I can't give my research assistant the go ahead. So in in short, um, my PhD has is rolled back six months. I'm behind by six months. Mm. Has your university made any um, leeway for that? Because for example, I am aware um, that other universities have given their students or, you know, a six-month bonus 
period. So, for example, at a particular university that I'm aware of, where they're supposed to normally submit in August, they said up until March. Um, at our university, we've been told that everyone who was in their final year, mm-hmm. um, so by final year, I'm in my third year and I have three and a half years, so I'm technically not in my final year. Yeah. So anyone who was more than three years into their PhD and was in the write-up season, essentially at that time. In the write-up season, mm-hmm. that last six months, because normally you get funding for three and a half years, but you can't take up to four years if you wanted. They're the ones getting extensions. So they've automatically given blanket extensions. So you, you have to apply, but it's kind of like a given. Mm. For me, because I'm still kind of in my third year, beginning of third year sort of, because we started in, in, in October, they've kind of said, let's wait um, and we'll review. Because um, I'll have to explain, like do a direct... I need a six-month extension because I was delayed by this many months. And right now, until my research assistant starts doing data collection, I can't kind of put it on paper to say it's impacted it directly by this much. Mm. Um, but I know because I can't do my analysis. I haven't started my analysis and I had a timeline of where I should be. And I'm not where I should be. So what are you doing in the meantime, for example? Hey, like, are, hey, you, are you able to at least polish? Because I, knowing the journey, right, it's very difficult to polish up things that you don't know what the end result is. Yeah. Because, for example, I went back and rewrote my whole review chapter at the very end. Ah, no, Simply because that, no, 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 that. No, that, that was my own... Because the, the outcome then, you know, you needed to, 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 to fit it around your outcome. And certain things are, you know, the unforeseen, they're surprising. The parts I parts of it I didn't change, but quite a substantial bit I had to just go back and revisit and change my theory. So to be fair, I've had to change my method mm. because I think I mentioned this again before, um, in the la- in the previous podcast where I my method was kind of like the feminist um methodology which promotes a like an exchange of information as opposed to an extractive research experience but because my research assistant is there yeah doing that rapport i built with my participants isn't there anymore and he's male as mm. well i mean he was there with me when we did the initial interviews but that's been taken out And I've had to reduce the number of interviews that I had planned to revisit Mm. so that now I'm moving more towards that narrative storytelling. So Mm. I'm going to have eight interviews as opposed to the 17 that I had before. I was actually going to do those 17 and add some more. Yeah. But now I'm reducing, going more in depth, but using a research assistant. You'd be surprised. You might have a lot of depth in terms of, you know, when you know, right, the limitations and the contribution to knowledge. The fact that you're doing something that was unforeseen. And yeah. If, you know, you can always finesse a situation that was difficult to, to, to win in your favour. But do you, you know, know what? The, the richness of having to dial back and instead of 17 uh, by doing 8 or 7. This is what I actually found, which but, I had not initially planned I, for. No, but I think, Ru, I, I get what you're saying. And my supervisors have said the same thing. But literally... I went there, did scoping, mm. came back, we redid everything. There was a perfect plan. Oh, I say perfect. There was a plan in place yeah. that made sense. But we've had to rejig everything. And like I'm saying, I have to rewrite parts of my methods chapter, my literature review. Your re- and research in, design instrument had to change. Exactly. Yeah. But in, in, all, in saying all of this, Rue, when you ask the question, so what are you doing in the meantime? I actually have been spending a lot of time being scared to write now because I'm like, let me invest another, because I've already written 20,000 words. And I'm like, let me invest another 20,000 words and then something goes and scatters me again and then I have to start. So it's kind of like until I have my risk assessment Mm -hmm. and my research assistant does my data collection, I'm I'm hesitant about writing Mm -hmm. anything because I'm like, I don't know where this thing's going to go. I might have to redo the whole topic and do a desk-based situation. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm well. just thinking off the top of my head, you know, that you are possibly sitting on things. I like to look at things from a glass half full, I guess, perspective in that regard. 
where you've got some primary data. Uh, I mean, you know, your own data that you collected. Yes, um, albeit um, it wasn't the best data in your view, but who's to say it's the best data or not? You can finish that. Also, all I'm saying is with that particular data, you could work on a paper. Work on that paper whilst you're waiting. Get into a three-star, four-star paper mm-hmm. uh, journal. And then that will help bolster your literature review chapter such that when it then eventually comes to, you you know, you cite all these limitations and everything. You position it such that you cushion yourself from all angles. And it can help you navigate that little But chapter. I think also, Rude, there's... Like, I feel like I'm having a conversation with my supervisors right now, guys. <laughs> I genuinely do, because Rue is saying exactly the same things that they've been saying. But guys, also, we're in a pandemic, Rue. Mm. I literally spent some of my lockdown self-isolating by myself. You know that, because you're my bubble partner. Mm. And I had to come to you to see another human being. Yeah, I would spend days just... You know, not talking to people, just zoom, zoom, the challenges of and not own. seeing him. So that also, it's not like I can't go and it's an inconvenience. It's I can't go and then I'm also dealing with the toll that you know, self isolating, worry about illness, family, anxiety, all of these. That's also on mm. top of my already my the issues I already have about my data collection. So I think. I get what you're saying and I'm I'm just coming out of this um mental state of you know what I'm just going to wait until mm. I know better. I'm starting to embrace everything because it's really taken a toll on me and it's I had a plan and it didn't work out and we all had plans, right? And it didn't work out. So I'm just learning to navigate and I think um wait once I hear back about my research assistant I'll be able to make a decision, but I am Funnily enough, writing a paper um, as it is, I haven't, I haven't, I've not finished it, but I'm close to finishing it. So I have been doing that on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's been tough. Yeah, I mean, I I do understand those things as well because I mean, um, I've been working on a paper with one of my research partners. I think I mentioned one of my old supervisors, my research partner. Now, yes, we started summertime last year and we submitted the final version last week and we had to ask for a two-month extension at one point this i mean with research papers typically if you're going for three star or four star that's like the rolls royce world of um research papers <laughs> they have to go rolls royce yeah they have to go through um so many peer review processes so that was the fourth round of peer review process um but we still had to ask for an extension and cite um the pandemic because it's done a number on all of us in terms of how the universities work, workload, redundancies have affected, you know, um, manpower in the departments, a job that would be done by three people is now suddenly being done by one person. And, you know, the irony is I keep saying to Gwen, people who are not in academia just think, what do you people do? You guys do nothing if only you knew. Like our walls. Yeah, anyway, that's a topic for another day. But that that's whole thing. Oh my goodness. Pisses me off. Lack of a bit of a word. You know, um, but there's been so much, I think, setbacks. And hearing from your perspective, Gwen, about the perspective of a PhD student, I do not wish that on anyone. I really, really do not wish that on anyone. Because, yeah, I mean, I was just sat here thinking even of my PhD student because she was meant to move countries and continue her journey mm. um, in the States. But her visa got affected because that's when, wow. the, if you remember, when um, President Trump said no, yeah. no one can come in. And she just got accepted into the program oh she was transferred to. And then our research team ended up splitting because one of our colleagues left and I ended up changing jobs within the same organization. So I left her team. <sighs> and right now I actually don't even know what her outcome is because once you've been removed from the team, then you kind of don't have a directive on what's happening. Yeah. And these are just stories just like yours as well, where you're just like, you may have the best laid plans. Yes. And something will just come and switch it up. So I think it's very important to navigate these stories and to explore them because and as much as we may say, oh, yes, okay, fine, well, everybody's lives have been impacted. Yes, everybody's lives have been impacted, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's, it's it's good to be able to appreciate those different ways yeah. and to explore them. So, yeah, your story is valid. And what you're going through, 
no one's going to downplay it. You know, I mean, you sit here and say, why did you do this? Why did you do that? It's very easy for someone on the outside to, yes. to suggest, why did you do this? Why did yeah. you do that? But the reality is you're the one in the driving seat and no one knows your journey apart from you. Yeah. And I so, think yeah. I've had, you know, I've had people kind of say, oh, you know, your ability to navigate, you know, um, difficulties like this as a researcher, you know, will reflect well. Yeah, but then difficulties like, like this as a researcher, how many of them have been through a difficulty like this as a This is what I'm saying. Tell me how many other pandemics happened when all these people were studying. This is what I'm saying. Because I've had this people... This is a novel virus. I've had a novel people, situation. I've had people say, oh, maybe you need to park the plans that you had for your data collection and then save that for a postdoctoral fellowship. And just... Is that what start, I want, though? And then just start again with a desk-based topic. Because at the end of the day, you're nearly there. You just need to finish. And I'm like, what? No, I don't want to change my topic. Rue, we spent a lot of time explaining why we, you know, we did the topics the that passion we did. And everything. The passion and what I should park that just so I can finish. No, well, I'm do sorry. Just get me across the line. No, no, But no, then no, also no, no, to no. do a postdoc, who said that's what, that's the career you want? Exactly. It's not, and you know, these assumptions that people have, you know, they really, really piss me off again today. I, oh goodness, I think today I'm... I, <laughs> Because you sometimes just have colleagues who are very presumptive and, 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 they, and they think that they can just say, oh, no, you can do this whenever. whenever. Who say that's the career I want or that's where I'll be? I want to do what I want to do now. And yes, the pandemic has come along. I'm, maybe I'm going to, you know, have to take a beat or two just to figure out where I'm at. But I want to come back and refigure how we can still continue and not take an easy way out or cop yes. out of the situation. Because I still think... My approach is valid or my story is valid yeah. to be to- and it still needs to be taught in the way that it originally envisioned. Yeah. Just give me a chance. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... What about for you? Like, I know you're not doing your PhD and I think everyone's figured that out. <laughs> we keep saying when Rue was doing her PhD because Rue's working now as an academic. So how has it impacted your research more than anything, I guess, because yeah. that would be closely aligned with the, with um, the PhD. So, I mean... <laughs> Similar to Gwen, at the beginning of the year, we all had goals. And this year, for me, I had envisioned this to be the year of research where I was going to be knocking <laughs> it out the park. Knocking it out the park. Like, I had plans for days. Last year, I'd spent it up writing applications for, for fund funding, and I secured my funding. And this year was to spend this year money. This year was to spend money and to spend time abroad. I remember oh even gosh. time at a time saying that, oh, for the first quarter of the year, I'll barely be in the UK. You oh, look at you, me. like... You're not going to see me this year. I, I literally nice. was like, I remember in February when I said my saying, you know, you're not going to see much of me because after my birthday, you know, yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> if, I, if I'm to rejig and, and dial back a little. So I was supposed to initially go to South Africa in April um, for data collection on um, a an extension of my PhD study. So mm-hmm. I think if you may recall, my PhD does look at like, um, legacy Making, yeah. and longevity and mm-hmm. longer term impact so now we're supposed to look at the second leg which is 10 years after the fifa 2010 world cup so mm-hmm. i was due to be in the field for at least three weeks and i was meant to also go to a conference where i was supposed to present findings on a on a paper that i had presented uh that i had submitted and so on and so all of that was meant to take you know three week period i was due to actually leave on the 4th of april and then come back like sometime in may and then in may i was only meant to be back in the uk for four days and i was supposed to then fly to New York and then Washington, D.C. because I had a Murray Curry research fund to um, explore the New York Marathon. So I had another study. I spent, like I said, last year I spent a lot of time applying, you know, for, applying funding. for funding to do all of this because, mind you, all of this was paid for and not, 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 not you know, just anyhow. Sweat, blood and tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd got onto the Aspire program at my workplace uh, where it's um, an early careers researcher okay. um, pathway to fellowship. So okay. for, for the... For the quote unquote bright stars mm. where you know, they only chose 12 of us to get on that bright like a diamond no no I, 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 for me I've always said I don't think I'm smart and those who went to high school with me were probably like but no. you went on this but Aspire I, program I know I just, I, just worked, uh-uh. I, I worked my ass off that's why yeah, but you got on the Aspire program can I just be proud of my friend okay thank you okay. so I got on the Aspire program because I wanted to go on these things but the only mm-hmm. way I was able to access all this funding was to be on this program so I had a plan so I knew I couldn't access all this money so anyway, the South Africa thing, I think I had a grant for about 2500 For the Marie Curie um, fund to New York, I had 3900 That was meant to be a month. Um, 
everything. So as I mentioned, I would have been back in the UK four days. I'd gone to uh, New York and Washington DC for a month till June. And I was meant to do um, a secondment at uh, George Mason University, I think that's the name of the university, um, under one of my, like, this guy who I've watched his career since, since he's one of the pioneers in my area and he was going to be like the HOD. I was meant to just, yeah, be like a shadow mm-hmm. learning from him. That was so exciting. And looking at the New York Marathon and the subsequent gentrification in New York right. and the social impacts and, mm-hmm. you know, the... Um, marginalization of locals wow. particularly you know the ethnic minorities etc and that's stuff i'm really interested in so we had that all planned out and so everything was initially frozen and then another um research trip i was meant to do was to go to um the tokyo 2020 olympics again with the marie curry fund um i was supposed to go and uh do research on the paralympics so my research partner and i were meant to be looking at um you know marginalized communities again, um, the disabled in society and how in societies such as, you know, um, Japan, well, Asian societies, similar to African societies, where those with disabilities sometimes are not counted or even considered. They are there, but we don't talk much about them in the same way that other places talk about them. So Mm. with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, and as much as they were hosting the Paralympics, you'd find that there wasn't a lot going on about what they were doing to help the disabled communities right. or to foster a sense of inclusion or equality. Mm. So that's what we were going to research. So I was supposed to spend a month in Tokyo. Imagine Olympics, <laughs> you know, again, a secondment to Waseda University in uh, Tokyo. I was so excited. Everything paid for. So in my head, I was like, this is the year I'm mm. going to be pumping out three four-star journal papers yeah. and that is going traveling, to be traveling networking i'm not paying for the traveling working yeah. networking and then at the end of the year i can then apply for my um senior lectureship position yeah and get it i had a, my best laid plans were really in motion and the pandemic hit and they were just like ah all no travel going frozen. mind you i'd done all the stuff that gwen was talking about you know the risk assessments yeah the ethics applications which are arduous guys. oh my goodness my god amount of stuff you have to provide this that oh. my flights for south africa as well had already been booked and paid for i'd already done that my accommodation was already booked and paid for my conference fees so conference fees are really expensive so my conference fees were just that one week and at that conference was 500 pounds so conference fee is non-refundable. They said, you know, you just have to attend the next year's conference. They have rescheduled it to 2021. So did they still not have one this year? Or they was it a virtual one? Nothing. Uh, no, most of... I mean, some have moved to virtual, but people really want the in-person thing yeah. for some of these things. It's the best way because to we network and just... And we were meant to do a lot of things. You know, you go to vineyards. You know, you know the yeah, other side of, of yeah, conferences. <laughs> if anything, really, after you've done the, the hard work, yeah, we chop money yeah. <laughs> on, on, on conferences. You do... You really, really, I think some of the five-star hotel experiences I've been on these conferences, you really, really get to see how the other half live. And so nobody really wants to forego that. So it was postponed to 2021. My flights, again, were frozen. My hotel was non-refundable. And then the other two funds, we hadn't booked or paid for anything. And I'm still uncertain on how those 3,900 by two Mm. funds are going to work out and what my obligation is on the other end. So, I mean, that, that was a setback and it was, for a while, it was quite depressing for me because I didn't know how I was now going to achieve my goal because mm. I'm very goal-driven. Yeah. And now I was thinking, okay, my goals that I wrote at the beginning of the year, how am I going to attain my senior lectureship position? How am I going to grow? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, before I go on into perhaps the, the, the silver linings that did come out, Gwen, did you have any silver linings along your journey or anything that you might think came out as a positive? Well, I... I... I don't, I'm not sure about silver linings. I think I'll think on that. Mm. But one thing I will add, actually, Rue, I, I think it's so funny because when you were talking and you were saying all these destinations and you were saying about, you know, the other side of conferences, guys, I think this is something maybe we actually haven't really talked about. Rue, being an academic can also be fun. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> we never talk about the fun side. Ooh. We haven't shared with you the fun side. But honestly, conferences are so much 
fun. You get to network, you get to do all these activities, and yet you also get to share your um, research ideas mm. or papers and get feedback from people. And I mean, these conferences, some of these conferences, like you've mentioned South Africa and you've mentioned Tokyo. I've been South Africa, I think, and twice or thrice, based, yeah. But conference the International Studies Association mm. um, was supposed to be in Hawaii this year. Do you know how many people were upset about that situation? <laughs> people, had, people were in Honolulu, my friend. <laughs> They'd already gone. And I mean, in the same token as I haven't been able to do my field work, I applied for some funding like you and got, you know, quite a bit of money from the Warwick um, Monash Alliance, so Monash University in Melbourne in Australia. And I was meant to go, I everything paid for, flight, accommodation, three weeks, and I was meant to collaborate on a paper. Um, oh, I remember you, you mentioned yeah. that the year, and you were yeah. meant to even do like um, a period of time um, almost like on secondment day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So I was forgotten. meant to go and I had all the funding. I was supposed to go in August. Mm. Guys, I'd let everybody... I remember we were actually talking about oh. beachwear. Yes! Because we were talking about how you be flexing in I know. Australia, I'll be flexing in South Africa. Oh my goodness. So goodness. I had plans, <laughs> I had grand plans. I was going to go to Monash do a collaboration with um, one of like the big professors in um, gender and conflict studies and just, you know, collaborate over there. But like what Rue's saying, I now have two pockets of money. You have more money than me, but we have pockets of money that funders need to have spent by a certain period of time. And if we don't spend that money, we've got to give it back or, Maybe they'll they'll offer an extension to next year, but it's so annoying. But they will also lose confidence in your institution if you don't use it. Yeah, That's but then if your if your money is meant for traveling and you can't travel, it's very difficult. Mm. So there's also that aspect where you've applied for money, you've put a lot of effort into applying for money. I applied for money from the BIEA, a British Institute of Eastern Africa, sorry. And they have given me money, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to use it on mm. time. And then I have this Warwick and Monash alliance money and i don't know if i'm gonna so i've been awarded these things but i might have to give them back so there's all that pressure of trying to make sure you appease the mm. funders by having a contingency plan you know so it's managing budgets it's trying to do data collection for you trying to write papers trying to attend conferences i was also meant to go to conferences but we've not been able to do any of that. So you can imagine like what Rue's saying. Yeah, I've got about 11K that's set there. That yeah. I can't, I, I, it's not my, I exactly. can't use it to go do fun stuff. No, it's you can't. It's meant to fulfill research. So if you can't do it in that way, you can't touch it. And like what, Rue, like <laughs> what you're saying, like for you as someone who's finished your PhD, things like this can genuinely affect your, your career. career trajectory. Because right? in our because world, your, your career is, is picked on publishing. Yeah. So and ref, it, meeting the ref. Exactly. 2020, I You can't. <laughs> and, and for me, it's my field work. It's the opportunity to go and collaborate on a paper with like a huge professor. To to finish your PhD and go into the world with all of this on the, off the back of that. Because when you go for those job applications, that's the stuff they want to see. Yeah. And nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, but then you had, you couldn't do it because of. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. Mm. So, so frustrating. But even those things, I think Gwen was touching on you know, the, 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 the fun side of, of academic work. <laughs> I think this is something we'd, we'd talked about and thought we would do an episode on, but we could even touch on it in this episode. Just, you know, I think I've mentioned in the past that I've been to quite a number of conferences and I've been privileged enough um, during my PhD times. Yo, I think I had access to about 15K wow. worth of conference money, grant applications. Oh, so apply, guys. Like a boss. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my PhD came with about, I think, three to four K. Okay. At that time, oh, you were lucky. Yeah, we I, were the last ones to get any of that kind of money. That was back in two thousand and fifteen when they were still generous, oh. and it was through the I think EU thing, and then Brexit came along and things started reaching. I had seven hundred and fifty <laughs> quid over three years, my or the, the whole time three and a half years. Yeah, we used to have to spend a thousand per year. <laughs> you had to spend it wow. so you had to find somewhere to spend it so if you had no way to spend it, figure it out go spend the money wow. <laughs> but um, things have swiftly changed because I, I think when I last spoke to people who had the same uni they're like nah it's not like that anymore. no 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 so see, things <laughs> changed from when you started mm. and then they became like well I had 750 pounds yeah and then now there's nothing 
because of COVID, universities because have cuts. had to cut back. But beyond that, there's no money to spend to be giving people to go to conferences or whatever. Like no one's going anywhere anyway, so they've just cut. But beyond that, that, even the sources of money were starting to change. So what other what people also need to consider is the political climate of the country will affect things. A lot of the money we used to get at the time when I did my PhD was through the EU. Mm. And so when, when the UK started to engage in the Brexit talks, the EU lost People confidence. pulled back. So a lot of the scholarships that used to be there and a lot of the funding came from EU bodies. Oh, wow. And, you know, like Erasmus scholarships that were funding certain things. They're still there, but they don't fund in the same way. Mm. And they are now funding, um, you know, universities in mainland Europe because why not? They might as well fund their, their own. Yeah. So you find that a lot of universities in Germany and Holland are thriving. And, you know, there are a lot of research institutions where a lot of people from the UK are migrating. I've got quite a number of colleagues that have left the UK to move to institutions there because they pay well mm-hmm. and there's a lot of fund money. Well, this was pre-COVID. I don't know what's happening now. But because of the political climate. So things were already starting to change and then COVID came along and just, and just made it even worse. Yeah. But even if I was to give you a glimpse into the conference world, my goodness, I have seen a lot of things and enjoyed life. <laughs> I have chopped life. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to conferences. You know, you can work... Re- Those are some of the merits of working hard. You can work your ass off and work yourself into spaces where you will be rubbing shoulders with all kinds of people. They will mm-hmm. get guest speakers who are amazing people. Where you're like, what? You know, you know. so even if I was to give an example, uh, the conference I went to in Florida, that was sponsored by Santander. We had a private tour of the Orlando Magic um, basketball. Um, oh, I saw facilities. those pictures yeah, yeah. on Insta and I was like, how is she? Oh, it makes sense Private, now. everything. Because you know. there was no one there. Yeah, and it was organized by the uh, sport governing body of Miami. Wow. And, uh, because somebody we knew was working on a paper and they basically worked with the university that was hosting us, which is University of Central Florida. Uh we had, uh, we went to like Planet Hollywood, had our own, like, it was like shut up f- for us. We, some of the things I'm even forgetting what we did, like fancy things where you are just like VIP life, mm-hmm. everything paid for, things that you would never get into a particular room, you know, a VIP room because normal people don't go in there, but mm-hmm. they've, ex- they've given you access because, yeah, the, the Miami sports, whatever, or governor, whoever has authorized it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to sit at a panel with, you know, these people who are the owners of, you know, yeah, Orlando Magic, telling you how they run their business. How many times do you get to sit in front of that person? You know, or the pioneers in terms of your area who've been flown in to be keynote speakers because there's just enough money for that. Mm. You go on banqueting dinners. We stayed in this amazing, amazing hotel. Wow. You are, you know, chauffeur driven, all places, like in your, in your, in your, in your vans and everything. It was just magical. Mm. That's just one conference. Um, I think some of the best have been in South Africa, where I think in Cape Town, we stayed at the Radisson Blue, the really, really nice one by the seafront wow. in Waterfront. To be staying in such a hotel and just being like, wow, you wake up and you're like, this is the life, you know. But you work hard because during the day you are going for the conferences, yeah. you are speaking, you are networking, you are doing your work. But at night... One thing I've learned, academics love a good party. No, they love a good drink. They love but a good pub crawl. But see, Lou, I think, you know, I feel like me and you are connected to different types of people because when I'm going to conferences, I'm playing, like, last time mm. I went to International Studies Association in Canada, um, in Toronto, and we were, like, playing beer pong and, you know. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 do, we, 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 we do that once we get back to the hotels. Though. Okay. Because <laughs> I do remember with um with this one group, even then, Atlanta, Florida, people, like, afterwards, um, let's all meet up in XYZ's room. We've got a bottle of gin. Wow. And we were there doing the most. I remember there was another conference I went to in Hertfordshire last year. Worked really, really hard because that was a conference to do with the organization of a particular subject area. <laughs> I'm not going to go into too much detail because I... Mm. But then setting up how that education system is going to work in the UK for the next foreseeable future. We yeah. did all our work, hard work for like three, four solid days. Yeah. And then at the After end, that. we had a private dinner at a castle. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the UK. Yeah, you know, fancy wancy, fine dining, ah. endless bottles of wine. You could take them home with you. You, you ah, know, didn't know what to do with it. And then we went on pub crawls and uh, then you uh, ended up at somebody else's hotel room no, no, and you no, are no, no. all just Guys, doing the most. <laughs> can I just put a disclosure? This is not my life. 
I needed to be with Rihanna. Well, but remember, my area as well is touches on events. So yeah, no, we're no, in the no, entertainment no. business. No, no, I'm just. We have to entertain ourselves first no, before no, no. entertain you. No, no, I get you, but I'm like, please take me with you next time. <laughs> yeah, some of them can bring spouses. That's the other fun thing. Yeah, right? no, I, I want to come. Like, please, let's you can collaborate. Buy let's time. collaborate on a paper, okay? And bring you along. And I will come along. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, guys, as you've heard from, from Rue, Less so me because yeah, I've only been to a couple of conferences. But you you're still um, you're still on your journey and you're going there. And I'm still yeah. on my journey. But I feel like now I need to be setting these high standards of like uh, Radisson. But then that, that all depends on what um, you want as well to achieve. But I just found that going to conferences gives you the opportunity to network, to meet the right people. You can evidence that in so many different ways. I mean, going to Italy, I'd never been to Italy, but I went to Italy for the first time through a conference. And so many other different things. And then within the UK, just traveling around the UK to different parts of the country via conferences. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fun no, experience. No, no, There's I, lots to be, you know. I completely agree. There's so much fun to be had and so much to take away from conferences, which is why, like, you know, the fact that with COVID people can't travel mm. is taken away a big part of conferences and that networking that opportunities to collaborate and for me when I was going to the two conferences that I'd been to I was meeting people that their books were like my main source of you know information Mm. and I'm like wait you're standing right in front of me like can you sign my book can you sign my book (laughs) like that it was like fan moments Mm. for me in, in, in with academics you know where I was like you know, I'm I'm a huge fan and I was asking questions and everyone was so welcome. You're changing business cards and you're like, and they're like, hit me up. We can collaborate. Come over. Like even my opportunity to go to Monash, I met the academic that I was going to write the paper at a conference. Mm. And then it just was like, oh, Warwick. Oh, Monash. Oh, we have a thing where you can apply for funding. Oh, actually. Why did you do this? But I met her at a mm. conference and I was actually going to go to Harvard. Um with another um, academic who's quite well known in my field. Um, and I was going to apply for that this year so I can do that next year. So I don't know. Everything's a bit up in the air. But it's not to say it's all lost. You can still revisit. Because these conferences, like Gwen is saying, that's where you meet people. Because I think the Florida one, that's where I met the lady who is now actually the journal editor of the journal I've just submitted a paper to. Okay. You know, so those things. And then the irony is her PhD supervisor back in the day is the guy who was at the helm of the British Council funding that we got to go to Joburg for a week. So when I was there and you I was talking about, it. oh, I met this lady at this conference. He's like, oh, do you know that was my student? Yeah. Let's take a picture. Let's send it to her via oh, WhatsApp. Wow. Send it to her. She's like, oh my so gosh, she When we Connections. met again, now we met in Florida. She's like, let's send a picture to him. Yeah. Because, you know, and then now she's like editing the paper. She's like, oh, I remember you. Yes. And you, I mean, it's not to say you get preferential treatment, but then they no. will now at least know who you are, put a face to name, oh, I heard you speak. Yes. So even if your paper is not that day, let me try and at least push yeah. it there. You yeah. know, it's just important because, yeah, even the, the, the whole thing at Joburg, that was an amazing time. Again, mm. British Council funded, uh, researchers link and Uto fund. Amazing, amazing time, stayed at the Marriott and it was fun. We explored, we went on the Soweto, um, um, explored Soweto. So Soweto Brewery, we went to Mandela's house we went to what's his name? Honeyplatz um, Museum, I think. Um, get the names. Sorry, guys, if if you're familiar with these places better than I am. Is it the Prosecco? You can't it, pronounce. It could be. It could be. It could be. <laughs> oh my gosh! Why are you outing me? But um, yeah, we did so many things. But then again, we worked hard in the sense that we were um collaborating with uh members of parliament from South Africa and members of parliament from Kenya, and we ended up coming up with the book that I think I've mentioned. Mm. Where So you may play hard, right? But you've got work out there that now speaks of that particular time. And yes. It, it, it's, so people might be sad, they're thinking, oh, all this conference money is just going to people playing and having fun. No, 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 you do work. We work but hard. <laughs> you also must hard. enjoy. Yeah. And I would like to think in every other industry when they go to for conferences, people equally enjoy. enjoy yeah. Yeah. So anyway... um. Without further ado, we might end up waffling and just, you know, uh, <laughs> actually getting to our own chit-chat. Uh, before we close up, Gwen, do you have any last um, things you may want to say about the setbacks of COVID or perhaps the... the, 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 the... Um, I think for me, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to embrace working in the... Uh, not according to plan. Mm. 
um, embrace this whole idea that, you know, to thrive as an academic, you need to be able to meander and navigate unforeseen circumstances. So I feel like I'm going to embrace that as a learning curve. Mm. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I at least have the option to um, have a research assistant and potentially do my data collection and yeah i'm i'm just grateful that the impact hasn't completely derailed my journey i'm, I'm having to pivot a bit rather than scrap um rather than way. scrap and, and start from scratch and like you were giving the example of your student you know for a lot of people you know phd students sometimes it's meant the end of a journey for mm. them or you know having to you know defer the PhD. So I'm glad I'm still continuing with that. And, um, but yeah, for sure, it's definitely impacted me mentally as well as practically. Um, but we move, we move. And you, Rue, any last yeah. words? I mean, any last words in terms of, um, I mean, the research front, I haven't been able to do as much as I would have wanted to. But as I mentioned earlier on, I've got a really exciting paper that's hopefully going to be coming out. Um, and I may speak on that later on once that's you know, more solidified. But I also then just decided to make a career move uh, halfway through the first lockdown. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if I, I'm just one of those people, if I, can't, if I can't reach the goal in this way, there's always another way to reach the goal. So literally changed careers altogether, left um, in the same organization, but left the academic world per se to go into commercial education. So um, yeah, so now I work with... Uh, contracts like government contracts um in education consortiums and that's a very very exciting world very fast-paced demanding very different from the traditional academic world um and yeah i'm looking for, forward to opportunities to publish in that area because i believe it's quite niche and quite new and so you know as one door shuts another door opens it may not necessarily be my traditional research area of mega sports events but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in looking at government policy and how that's shifting in the face of everything that's happening. So we move, <laughs> I guess, in, in both of us, we move yeah, in we different ways. Yeah, And so we'll see how, how things will continue to shape up and we might come back with an update on yeah. what has happened since... We're still in the pandemic, mm. guys. Some down people might have forgotten, but we are still in a pandemic. Yeah. So before we go today, we thought we'd do a little something special. Um, so Rue and I were discussing podcasts that we've been listening to. And enjoy And enjoying. <laughs> um, by Zimbabwean... Um, content creators, yeah. Content creators. So Rue, can you please share with them? I've got a little list out here okay. because you know the Zimbabweans have been busy. Yeah. Especially in these COVID times, you guys have been keeping us entertained. Keep it up, guys. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to a season of new podcasts as well. Exactly. So um, not in any particular order before you start thinking we're wrecking them in, in terms of favorites. But there's a feeling station. You may be aware of it. Get involved. Get involved. They're all about breakup stories and so on. Oh, they Guys, guys. Too many relatable <laughs> situations. <laughs> and they said that in the morning, if you do not know Saza in the morning, I reset your phone, reset your brain, reset your body. Because guys. everybody who's in Zimbabwe should know Saza yes. in the morning. They are like the pioneers a, You must space. listen to Saza in the morning. Yeah, they are, uh, yeah, them and um, two broke twimbos um, as well. Mm -hmm. um, they they are you know in that space of pioneers around some podcasts really really good, and then we've got brothers with voices three Zimbabwean guys that share all kinds of lifestyle stories. Of <laughs> them guys, some of our favorites really really enjoy them. Yeah, some serious stuff, but also some funny stuff. Some Kovaka Zimba stuff. Yeah, like they just they just cover all, all sorts, sorts of guys. Things. Sometimes I'm cringing, sometimes I'm laughing, but yeah. Good good podcast. Love it. Yeah. Then we've got Brunch and Bantu Knots. Um, I believe it's three Zimbabwean yes. ladies, uh, British Zimbabwean mm -hmm. based here in the UK. And they are talking about, you know, the perspective of British Zimbabwean girls and life here and trying to uh, marry the two, being here and also being Zimbabwean. And then we have Girl in Skies, really, really good podcast. I yeah. think one of the first female-led Zimbabwean podcasts. 
um, really, really interesting. And they also talk on, you know, touch on lifestyle They touch on everything. Everything. Relationships, politics, they touch on everything. everything. Yeah. Absolutely love them. Mm. Yeah, they're almost like, you know, the, the sun's in the morning. Yeah. And, but the... Female version. Yeah, yeah, defo, defo. And then we've got the Gas Station Podcast. Shout out to Son of Gavure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's... Like, the Son of Gavure has really... He's a co-host on um, that podcast. And he's been really supportive of us, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, Son of Um, Gavure, he is one of our biggest supporters. Do go and have a listen with a different twist based in the States. So again, you know, you see all these Zimbabweans all over the place out here supporting and, you know, uh, raising the flag. And then we've got Mirrors and Opposites. These are dear friends, uh, Tari and and Mota, two Zimbabwean sisters. Yes. Based here in the UK. Yeah, they're here in the UK. Mota was in Canada, but now they're both Both, here. Yeah, yeah. And so again, and they just touch on different different topics. lifestyle topics. Yeah, and very interesting. Like I like how they have they literally are mirrors, but also opposites. So mm. they have different stances on things, and I love that. Yeah, and then last but not least, um, also follow is layered. Yeah. So again, two Zimbabwean women. Wow, Zimbabwean women, you are doing the most. Love it. Um, that one is. I went to high school with. Um, these two ladies, um, I think one is in Czech Republic and one is in Australia. So they're doing a long distance friendship and they just talk about all things friendship. Um, thoroughly enjoy listening to those. So whenever um, I get a moment, whether it's going for a run or driving, I tune into one of these mm-hmm. and so does we. And we've recommended them to each other haven't we like yeah there have been times even i think there was a time we were stuck in a car park and we were listening to yeah, brothers we, and voices and earlier what? on even today we we're listening to the feeling station yes. uh, meets girl and sky's sky so i mean yeah. you'd be surprised at how many times we're out here tapping into content yeah. or sharing and say hey one's our episode yeah so we, <laughs> yeah. We, love, we love podcasts in general which is why we probably decided so to, to do, do the podcast yeah. as opposed to like a blogger media. or youtube channel or something yeah, or YouTube yeah. Channel. but um yeah so guys hopefully you can listen in listening to some of those podcasts we'll, we'll write them up in our description if you didn't catch them um and yeah like ruse line always says please share like and subscribe tell a friend or, or two to share with your family members exactly. put us on Interact with us in the DMs, yep. the comments. Yep. Those who have WhatsApp uh, numbers, yeah. get at us. Uh, as usual, our Instagram handle is Hand Me Up Podcast, and our email address is the Hand Me Up Podcast at gmail.com. So, guys, it's been great. Um, Ru, I've enjoyed hanging out with you and chatting. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I'm looking forward to the next time we get together and chit chat all things education exactly thank you so much guys don't forget share subscribe and get in touch via our instagram page hand me up podcast or you can email us hand me up podcast at gmail.com all right guys bye, bye. bye.